Hi, I'm Ben Pilgreen, lead pastor of Epic Church in San Francisco, and I want to welcome you to the podcast. Our vision here is to see an increasing number of people in San Francisco orient their entire lives around Jesus. But whether you're listening in from the city that we love here by the bay or wherever you might happen to be in the world today, I want you to know that I'm excited about what God is doing in your life and what he's doing in our Epic Church community. I hope you'll find this message encouraging and that it will inspire you to take your next steps along your faith journey. There are so many words that have emerged in this season. Words like pandemic, COVID-19, vaccine trial, pivot, crisis, unprecedented, social distancing, and shelter in place. But we've also seen these two words emerge and become part of our vernacular, essential and non-essential. There are essential workers and non-essential workers. There are essential businesses and non-essential businesses. I don't know about you, but I've been really confused about what all is considered to be essential and what is not essential. The good news, I guess, is that you and I don't get to or have to make our decisions about in San Francisco what is considered essential and non-essential. But let me tell you a decision that every single one of us gets to make, and we better be very clear on making this decision. You do get to choose, and I do get to choose. And as a church here at Epic, we get to choose what we are going to make most essential with our lives. Here's the big idea behind the series we're kicking off today. We're calling it the essentials, and and, and the idea is this. Each of us, which means you and me, each of us needs to gain clarity about what is most essential for our lives. Each of us needs to gain clarity about what is essential for our lives. The definition of essential, it's pretty simple, but I want to bring it up a notch so that you and I look into and ask ourselves the questions, what are we going to make essential or non-essential with our own lives? Here's the definition. Essential means something that is absolutely necessary or extremely important. Something absolutely necessary or extremely important. And I want you to know that this series we're starting today, it comes from a deeply personal place for me. Church, I don't know what's happening in your hearts, but I've heard from some of you that there's this similar vibe going on, but there is something deep that God is doing in my soul during this season. And it is making me ask the following kinds of questions. God, why are you stripping so much away from us? God, what are you trying to detach us from or disconnect us from? God, what are you telling us to never go back to again? And and what are you telling us to start valuing in a way that we've never valued it before? To let you know what God is really showing me during the season, I want to take you back to January of 2020. The first 21 days of the year, my wife, Shauna, and I were doing the Daniel fast. You can Google that. You can read about it in Daniel chapter 1. But the Daniel fast, it, it has you eating a different set of things and praying for God to be clear. And so we wanted to 
tune into God's heart. God, what do you want to say to us? What do you want to do for us and our family and our church and our city as we begin this year? And I can't tell you that I remember everything we were allowed to eat on the Daniel fast, but I do remember what we weren't allowed to eat. Anything that tasted good. I'm joking. We, some of it tasted good, but it was a spiritual endeavor for us. And at the end of those 21 days, Shauna asked me, Ben, what do you feel like you learned in these 21 days? And the answer I gave her then is the answer that I think God is teaching me again in this season. And I want to encourage you to adopt it. I want to give you some language that might describe what you've been feeling. Here's what's happening. And here's what goes with the idea of something that's essential. Here's the way I want to say it. Here's what I've learned. I don't need everything I thought I needed, but now I know what I really want. I don't need all of the stuff that I used to convince myself I need. I don't need all of that, but I also, my desires are growing and clarity is coming to what it is that I want most. And I want to encourage you, would you adopt the same posture? Are you gaining clarity in this season on what actually matters most for your life? And do you also know what it is that you want most? Jesus was always reframing people's understanding around what is truly essential. Go back and just look through the lens of Jesus making things more essential and less essential than people thought they were. Remember this, like he, he talked about which commandments out of all the commandments, which ones were most essential. Jesus taught us about out of all the treasures, which things we should treasure most and which treasures weren't that essential. Jesus was constantly telling people who were making things more essential than they should have been, listen, don't value that as much as you value it. It's not that important, but there are these other kinds of things that are so important. I want you to value those things. I mean, even that day when Jesus was in the home of the two sisters, Martha and Mary, Martha was like, Jesus, tell Mary to get in here and help me prepare this food because this is what's most essential for your visit. And Jesus said, Martha, you need to understand something. That that's somewhat important, but what is most essential is Mary sitting at my feet, listening to my words. I will not take away from her what is most essential. I wrote and recorded a different message than the one I'm giving you today. I try to be ahead, which is hard during this crisis season. I, I try to be well planned out. Our team talks about where we're heading for the next couple of months and then we get topics and we get themes and we get scripture around where we want to go. And so I had intended and not only had I intended to give, but I gave a message, whether you ever see it or not, who knows, called Relationships Over Workaholism. But because of where we find ourselves, I wrote this one and want to give a new message to you today. It's been a hard week. It's been a heavy week. It's been a painful week. Many of you know that out of our staff team, I'm not the crier on staff. I won't point to the person and persons who are, but I've wept this week. I've struggled to sleep this week. I've tried to listen. I've tried to search my own heart. And it's been a heavy week, but what's very interesting about where I want to go today, I think it's the perfect first message in a series called The Essentials. I think it's the perfect first message in a series called The Essentials because it is time for us to gain clarity about for my life, for our church and for our world and for your life, what we're going to make essential with our lives. I determined that we would go with this structure for titling our messages during the series, this over that. 
or what's essential over what's not essential. And so I want to stay with that form today and tell you that I think God just last night gave me this title for this message today. Here it is. Remember, it's this over that, essential over non-essential. Here's the title for today. All of us over some of us. All of us over some of us. We are done thinking that some people are essential and other people are not. We are done thinking that people of this color are essential and people of that color, not so much. People of this socioeconomic status are, they're important, but the rest of them, you're not. We are done thinking that if you're in this age category, you're no longer essential. Or if you're in this age category, you're not essential yet, but you will be one day. We are here to declare today with all of my heart, a vision for humanity, a vision for our world, a vision for Epic Church that all of us are absolutely necessary. This is the heart of God. And I want to share that with you today. And I want to do it through the lens of our vision. Do not, please don't make this about something else. This is not about a church doing this particular thing or that particular thing. God gave us a vision long ago, and we are just stepping further into it today. The vision of Epic Church is to see an increasing number of people in San Francisco orient their entire lives around Jesus. That is what we're after. And so I want to give you a number of scriptures today to let you know what his heart is for humanity, what his heart is for the world, and what his heart is for you. But you have to understand, I have to understand, if this is God's heart for me, then it must become my heart for everyone else, all of us over some of us. Let's just begin in the beginning, Genesis 1:27. These are scriptures that you will see in our app if you're tracking. You'll see it. Um, you can click on it in the chat. My notes for today. We want to give you this because we've got to go back to what did God say? Not what did, what did that politician say? Not what did the person that raised me growing up say? Not did what, do, what does some family member or someone else that I know, what did they say? No, no. What has God said? So here we go. Genesis 1:27. Here's where we begin. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. All of us have been made in the image of God. Just tell yourself right now, I have been made in the image of God. I have been made in the image of God. That includes me and that includes you. What an amazing thing. God knit us together in our mother's wombs and placed within each of us the imago Dei, the image of God. You are an image bearer of God, but so is every other person you have ever encountered or ever will encounter. We are image bearers of God. And when you think about, hey, that's not just another person. That's not a black person. That's not a white person. That's not a young person. That's not an old person. That's not a rich person. That's not a poor person. That is an image bearer of God. And when you and I begin to see our world in that way, when you and I begin to see our neighbors that way, when you and I begin to see people who are a lot like us and nothing like us as image bearers of God, I think that might shift the conversation and it might shift our heart for what matters most. When Jesus takes on flesh, he spends his life showing people what the heart of God is, that God's heart is for all of humanity. But here's what happens in the gospels. Go and read the gospels. The people who struggled most with Jesus, oddly enough, were the religious leaders. And that is not lost on me as your pastor. That is not lost on us as your church staff. That is not lost on us as our leaders. How is it possible that the people who knew the word of God most in theory knew it the least in practice? How's that even possible? And just so you know, Jesus didn't come and say things that people had necessarily never heard before. You can go back to the Old Testament and see what the greatest commandments were listed there. 
And one day they wanted to trap Jesus and they said to him, what's the greatest commandment? And if you aren't familiar with the history, at this time there were over 600 commands, a lot to keep up with. But they said to Jesus, which one matters most? Or to use our word during the season, which commandment is most essential? But Jesus didn't just give them one, he gave them two. He said this, the first one is, you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, everything else hangs on this. And so I've got to ask you, if Jesus, the son of God said, these two are most important, they're most essential, they're most significant, how are you doing with those? And you're like, Ben, I think I'm doing pretty well. Well, the religious leaders thought they were doing pretty well too because they defined neighbor differently than how Jesus defined neighbor. They knew they were supposed to love their neighbor as themselves. You tell me then why did they have a problem with the way Jesus treated kids, the way Jesus treated sinners, the way Jesus treated Samaritans? They're like, Jesus, if you knew what kind of person this is, you wouldn't be hanging out with them. And Jesus is like, no, I came for all of them, including them and including you. But understand this, the reason Jesus spoke strongly to the religious leaders is the same reason I occasionally have to speak strongly to my kids. I will lay down my life for all four of my children. But as a father, what do I do when one of them goes after another? Well, I have to protect. And the reason Jesus spoke so strongly to the religious leaders is because he was protecting those who were oppressed. He was protecting those who were seen as less than. He was raising the value of people. And that's why he gave his harshest words to the religious leaders. I mean, I wanna say it like this. You'll see it on the screen. Jesus spent his life redefining the word neighbor and so should we. Jesus spent his whole life redefining the word neighbor and so should we. John 3, 16, quote it right there in your living room. I know a lot of you have this down. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. Do you want to have a heart that aligns with the heart of God? Then you must have a love for all of humanity. And he said, this is for whoever. This is for whoever believes in me. They will not perish, but have everlasting life. And as Jesus carries that message of love for all of humanity throughout his life, as he gets to the end of his life, his heart is just laid bare before the Father. And he has this incredible prayer in John 17. It's called the high priestly prayer. All of it is amazing, but he actually begins to pray for the church in the future. He begins to pray for the future of the world. And I wonder if you've ever thought about the idea that you can actually, we talk about being an answer to someone's prayer. That's pretty cool. But what if you and I could become the answer to the prayer Jesus prayed? That would be more amazing. In John 17, verse 21, here's part of that prayer. He says to his father in heaven, he says that all of them may be one father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. We have the opportunity to actually answer a prayer that Jesus prayed, that we would be one. Like that's what he's going for. He's not going for division. He's going for unity. He's not going for any kind of superiority or inferiority. He's going for, would they be one just as we are one? And he can help us with that. He can help us with it. That's his vision. And then he says, may they be one so that the watching world may pay attention. Wouldn't your neighbors, wouldn't your friends, wouldn't your coworkers be attracted to a church community that literally was one in heart and spirit and vision and love? I think that would be a pretty compelling case that there is a God, that he's for all of humanity, 
including the people in our lives who don't right now believe that God's actually for them. What does it look like to be one with each other? In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 25 and 26, I think this is the clearest picture of what oneness looks like. And so as you think about your part, as I think about my part in Epic Church and in the larger body of Christ, listen to this. Paul writes, so that there should be no division, circle that, no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. At Epic Church, we're in this together. It's one of our nine values. Together is better. This is why we have to stand against racism. This is why we must stand against any form of oppression. This is why we have to fight for justice. We are better together. This is why we have to start learning and humbling ourselves and listening and start weeping with our brothers and sisters who have suffered injustice for way too long. At Epic, here's what has to be true. And yes, I am making a declaration as the lead pastor of Epic on behalf of our staff team and behalf of our leaders and behalf of our entire church. If one of us is in pain, all of us are in pain. If one of us is in pain, we're not gonna defend. We're not gonna tell each other, don't be so sensitive. We're not gonna tell each other, well, that's not my issue. If one of us is in pain, all of us are going to be in pain. Just like when one of us rejoices, all of us are going to rejoice. And so the reason I've been weeping this week is because people are in pain. The reason you and I need to have sensitive hearts to the people around us and to put our listening ears on and at times shut our mouth is because people are in pain. If one of us is in pain, all of us are in pain. Imagine a vision of a church like that. I spent time Monday night weeping with our leaders because of what God's doing in me about the issues in our country related to race. Tuesday, we had an all staff meeting like we do every Tuesday over Zoom. There are 14 of us on that call. And typically the way I begin those meetings is just asking a question and then allowing people to speak and then we get into the agenda. But we didn't get to the agenda on Tuesday. It was beautiful to see your staff team. I wish we would have recorded it, not to show you how great we are, but just to show you what our hearts are. See your staff weeping together. Some from our own pain and so much from the pain of others. 14 of us on that call. Seven of us are white. Seven of us are a different race. One heart. Someone on that call said, you know, the word compassion, it, it, it literally means to suffer with. And we just renewed our commitment in that moment that we will be a church who suffers with each other. If one of you is in pain, if one of us is in pain, we're all in pain. Galatians 3.28, Paul said to the Galatians, if you don't know why he wrote the book to the church at Galatia, he was writing it to them because they thought there were external things they could do to make them more essential or more important than other people. But in chapter three, verse 28, he writes these words, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. There it is again. Now listen, this is important. He wasn't saying that 
there are no Jews or Gentiles. He wasn't obviously saying that there aren't men or women. He wasn't saying that at the time, unfortunately, there weren't slaves or free. He was saying there's this beauty and diversity, but there's this oneness in Christ. And hear my heart, I will fight for this unity and I need you to fight for our unity as well. Will you fight for our unity? Whatever that looks like and whatever it costs you. This is the heartbeat of God. Philippians 2, 3 and 4, Paul writes these words to the church of Philippi. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Can you imagine what it might look like for us to value others more than ourselves? In a world that says, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? What's in it for me? That's centered around the individual. Can you imagine if our posture began to be, how might I value this image bearer more than I value myself. How might I act? Because here's what is happening too. That verse four, look to the interests of others, not only to your own interests. All of us are self-interested. All of us. I wake up thinking about what am I interested in today? What am I interested in eating? Who am I interested in seeing? Who am I not interested in seeing? What am I interested in doing? But God has called me to more than that. And I'm in. I'm in. In searching my own soul this week, I've just made a determination that God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to personally live and to lead my family and to lead our Epic Church family, to lay down our lives at great cost for the sake of unity, I'm going to lay it down. I'm in. Are you? You can put that in the chat if you are. If you're not, don't put that in the chat. We'll probably mute you. This is what we're going after and this is what we're going to fight for. All the other stuff that we've, got, that we've got to be against, it all comes out of pride in some form or fashion. James chapter four, verse six, James writes about God, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. I think it was C.S. Lewis who said that pride is the sin underneath all other sins. Where's pride in your life? Do you want to demand on holding on to it? If so, that puts you in the opposite corner of the ring from the corner that God is in. We began with God's vision for humanity that we're all made in the image of God. I could give you a lot more scripture. I showed you where it began. I wanna show you where it's going to end. I wanna give you this beautiful vision out of Revelation chapter seven, verses nine and 10. This is John writing the vision that God gave him for the end of days. He said, after this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Standing before the throne and before the lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. I long for that moment when I am standing next to people from every tribe, every nation, every people, every language. And what I love about being in San Francisco and part of Epic Church is we have over 50 or 60 nations represented in our church. In fact, if you're from a country that's not America would, or a race that's not white, I'd go ahead and say it. Um, would you just let us know um, what race you are or what country you're from? I just would love for the world to see our unity right now. Where are you from? Where do you come from? What nation do you claim? We're so grateful that you're a part of this community. We are more beautiful and we are stronger because you're a part of it. We love that God has led us to lead in a diverse city and lead a diverse church. And I wanna say this to every one of you. 
there is a place for you in this epic community. Like even me, Ben, I promise there's a place for every one of you. As long as you know that there is a place for everyone else. All of us over some of us. This is why I want to urge you to sign up for one of our epic groups. You see, if you don't get into relational community here at Epic, then all you're left with is your own ideologies, your own philosophies, maybe even your own theology, and certainly your own practice. I need to be in a group where people don't all look like me and think like me. And that's the beauty of our Epic groups. And one of the groups we're starting this week that you can sign up for is called Be the Bridge. It's a group that's going to begin to have conversations to gain further awareness on the racial issues in our country, the racial issues in our own hearts. And we're going to begin talking about how we can experience racial healing and racial reconciliation. And I want to encourage you to be a part of that group. But any group that you're a part of, you're likely going to have people of diverse backgrounds. And that's part of the beauty of our church. I say to people, it's the most fun thing about my job and it's the most challenging thing about my job. But I have recommitted myself to leading a church that's diverse towards great unity. If we're going to embody the kind of vision that I've tried to set forth today, I think we've got to first examine our own hearts. There's a practice that God gave us and that I taught you two months ago. We've been doing it during our prayer times together. And I want to just encourage you to lean into it again, or if you're hearing it for the first time, it's based out of Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. And what it does is it just, we're just inviting God into this examination moment with us. You're not alone in this. We're just inviting God in. Here's the first part. Search me, God, and know my heart. Search me, God, and know my heart. God, show me what's in my heart. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Show me what's in my heart that's not in alignment with your heart, that's not in alignment with your word, that's not in alignment with your ways. God, what is there? The second one is test me and know my anxious thoughts. There's so much anxiety and so much fear in our world today. And I know let's start with your heart because that's what we're holding before God. Where are you anxious? Where do you long for God's peace? Where is there chaos in your heart and you long for Jesus to calm you? Where is there fear? And you need to hear the words of Jesus that he gave so often. Do not be afraid. But as you think about your anxieties, as you think about your fears, I wanna encourage you to hold the fears and anxieties of others up to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you do something about theirs as well? Would you give people in our country, in our church community, in our city, great reason to not have to be afraid, great reason to not have to be anxious? The third part says, see if there is any offensive way in me. Don't rush past this. This can be hard. This can be challenging. It feels vulnerable. You might even feel shame at times. But is there any offensive way, God, in me? Is there any way where I've gone against your ways? Is there any way where I've offended you and I've offended other people? And as God brings that to mind, you should feel pain. You should feel uncomfortable, but don't run from that because here's what I wanna tell you. You're opening yourself in the presence of God. So where there's shame, where you feel exposed, God isn't casting you out of his presence. What he wants to do instead is let you know that he's here to cover you. So when you open yourself up, God wants to come and he wants to cover you. He wants to forgive me and he wants to forgive you. He wants to bring healing to your heart and he wants to bring healing to our church and to our community and to our city and to our world. He wants to heal. So open yourself up to him so that he can cover you. And the fourth one is this. I love this resolving commitment and lead us in the way everlasting. 
and lead me in the way everlasting. But God, collectively lead us in the way everlasting. We wanna go where you're going. We wanna say what you're saying. We wanna love who you're loving. We wanna do actions that you would do if you were in our skin. We know that you, God, caused Moses to rise up and to lead your people out of slavery in Egypt. God, we are willing to be your church that rises up to lead people out of the injustices that they're involved in today. God, could we become that church that says, our vision is for all of humanity and we are going to pray towards that end. We're going to teach towards that end. We're going to listen towards that end and we are going to work towards that end. Are you with me? Are you with me? If the events of this week and or this message are exposing something in your heart, don't run from this. God wants to cover you. This is the message of Christianity. John 3, 16 that we shared earlier. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son into the world that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. You might know that one, but you might not know the next one. For he did not come to condemn the world. It's not his purpose in exposing your heart. He came to save the world. And if you've never experienced that healing from Jesus personally, if you've never allowed him to come into your heart and to clean it and to forgive you and to heal you and to let you know that you are a son or you are a daughter, no matter what they said about you, no matter what color you are, no matter how young or how old you are, today can be your day. And if today is your day, I want you just to open your hands right where you are and say this to him. Jesus, I see that your heart is for all of humanity. Though it's hard to believe, I'm convinced that that includes me. And today I'm putting my trust in you. Jesus, there are things that I'm not proud of in my past and maybe even in my present. But if you're exposing those things today so that you can cover them and forgive me and heal me, here you go. And I want you to experience God's Holy Spirit. That's what's coming into us now, washing over us, bringing healing. And also it's the same thing that's going to bring unity in our church. If you have put your faith in Jesus today for the forgiveness of your sins, for the relationship that he offers you, let me encourage you just to text the word begin to 313131. I wanna pray for us now. Would you join me? Jesus, you've been clear. Help us to be clear. Jesus, your heart is for all of us. Jesus, you died for all of us, not just some of us. Would you remove any pride? Would you remove any distraction? Would you remove any division? Could Epic Church be a declaration to our world? There is a God who is for all of us, that we are all image bearers. And we will see everyone else as an image bearer of God. God, would you do a deep work in us because of the future you envision for us? in your name that we pray. Amen. I want to thank all of you for your generosity, for helping us be the church that we've described today. Just this past week, I was told that we fed over 1,200 households through our food pantry partnership at Bessie Carmichael. We also gave $5,000 to Be The Bridge this week, a nonprofit organization that's hoping and helping to bring awareness so that we can experience racial healing and racial restoration and racial reconciliation. We're currently looking for churches that we're going to be able to partner with who are on the front lines in our city doing all kinds of great work. If you wanna give today to the mission that I've described in my message and to what I'm telling you right now, you can follow the text prompt. You can also go onto our website and give there. 
And for those of you that have a need, I hope that you've heard our vision as a church today. And you need to know that that includes you. We want to meet whatever need you have, whatever prayer request you have, we wanna pray for you. Whatever physical needs you have, we wanna be in that with you. Whatever spiritual needs, we're ready to respond this week to whatever your needs are. And if there are mental needs or emotional needs or you have any kind of other need, would you please express that to us? Church, I know what we've all felt in this season. Exhaustion, is this worth it? But I'm convinced in my spirit, I don't know what the future is going to hold, but I'm convinced that God is building a beautiful future for us. And for all of us who embrace the vision God has for us, for all of us who are willing to double down on our commitment to do whatever it takes to be part of rebuilding whatever is going to be left once we all do come back together in person, I'm in. I'm here. I love you. And I just want to continue to invite you to come close. Come close. If one of us is in pain, all of us are going to be in pain. But don't you long for the day, don't you long for the day that when one of us is rejoicing, all of us are able to rejoice. My heart is with you. My heart is for you. Let's go after God's heart together. Thank you so much for joining us on the Epic Church Podcast today. If you would like to learn more, you can go to epicsf.com. I want to also encourage you to download the Epic SF app so that you can keep up with everything that God is doing in and through this community in downtown San Francisco. 